Welcome to episode 50 of Central Intelligence Cinema. We made it to 50! Today, we've got an intel report on deck for you, including our breakdown of the latest Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning trailer. But for now, take it away, Pierce. Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. Welcome to the CIC, initiating security clearance. My name is Napoleon Solo. Bond. James Bond. Natasha Romanoff. Ethan Hunt. Looks later. Elsa Faust. Identity confirmed. Now, pay attention, 007. Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Do you expect me to talk? I'm in the middle of an interrogation. This moron is giving me everything. Yeah, baby! Special agent, you're not having a very special day, are you? But remember, nothing ever goes according to plan. Tom, what do you think you're doing? Even the British hand up, sir. This state will self-destruct in five seconds. Recording from an undisclosed location that is still as undisclosed as locations can get, it's the Central Intelligence Cinema Podcast. I'm Jason Greenberg, and with me, as always, Ben Esslinger. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. And welcome back to the CIC, the spy movie podcast that is nearing the final stretch of The Road to Reckoning. Road to Reckoning! That is right. (laughs) (laughs) Hey-oh! Hey-oh! How are we doing today, Jason? Uh, I'm doing good. How are you doing today, Ben? I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. It's an exciting day in the uh, undisclosed location. We get to finally talk uh, some some new, fresh intel. You know, it's been a hot second since we've... Yo, man, (laughs) drop the fresh (laughs) intel beats, yo! (laughs) That's right! But uh, yeah, today we are finally back after a bit of a hiatus from our often imitated but never replicated intel report but yeah you know there hasn't been a whole lot of intel out there of late things just started popping up recently to to kind of whet the appetites as it were yeah yeah it's it's been a little little quiet little uh you know you know (laughs) things are a little quiet right now with the exception of obviously mission impossible is is coming is roaring into the forefront but uh Everything else is kind of quiet, you know, we haven't, but uh, we're, we're going to talk about some of the stuff that is coming up very soon, Yes, which uh, you may want to know about. But hey, if you, the listener, have some uh, fresh intel, or you just want to tell us something else, we love interaction. We read almost every email that we've ever gotten, <laughs> every bit of commentary <laughs> we've gotten about our podcast. We almost always air it right here. So uh why not get in touch? You know, we've got email. It's uh, cicdeaddrop at gmail.com. On Instagram, it's Central Intelligence Cinema, separated by underscores, or on Twitter at CIC SpyPod. And if, hey, if you forget any of those things, it's going to be at the bottom of the description of this very episode that you are listening to right here. Isn't but, technology uh, wonderful? Technology is a lovely, lovely thing, provided it works correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right, Ghost Protocol? Hmm. <laughs> so, uh, mm. Well, but, fortunately, uh, this isn't a this isn't a Brad Bird joint, so we're probably okay for the most part. Let's hope so. All right, should we <laughs> jump into this? <laughs> let's do it. Looking for a news story? Impress me. Transmitting CIC Intel dossier. Don't print anything these days. Okay, so Intel. The uh, the road to reckoning continues. Central Intelligence Cinema presents Road 
to Reckoning. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Very excited. As of this recording, we are exactly one month away from Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Pretty, pretty exciting stuff. Since we last talked, they bumped up the release date by two days to the 12th of July. As a matter of fact, actually, the I ordered a, a teaser poster, the one with the vertical text alignment of the Mission Impossible logo and, and yep. Ethan jump, jumping his motorcycle. I ordered that poster, and I'm pretty sure mine has the old date on it. I haven't had a chance to frame it yet, but that could be a collector's item. Like like the Revenge of the Jedi poster. That's right. That's right. See, or or see. or like the uh, the Boba Fett with the different colored rocket or whatever. The, I know there's like one Boba Fett that's very, you know. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> Not sure why they chose to do that, why they chose to bump it up for, I, I don't know. I mean, I know there's things out there that are, you know, now competing. We're finally having a year in cinema where there's actually competition going on, like actual competition as opposed to just, well, this one's finally making it to the theater or this one's braving it to go to the theater as opposed to just streaming it, going straight to streaming. Yeah. Well, you know, I would have to say, given the recent brouhaha over Barbie and Oppenheimer, two completely 180 degree different movies from different universes, yeah. You know, I would have to wonder if they changed the date so they could get more IMAX time in before, you know, those eight people that want to see Barbie in a large screen format uh, get the theater, so right? The, the the Margot Robbie super creeps who just need to see Margot as, as big as she can be. I mean, granted, she's gorgeous, but I mean... <laughs> Anyway, it's Barbie. It's, it's, it's still it's Barbie. Se- <laughs> it seems an odd cinematic flex. Yes. <laughs> Just leave Indeed. it at that. It is an odd cinematic flex. And there was actually a story in Hollywood Reporter about how Tom Cruise was very unhappy about the fact that Oppenheimer and Barbie seem to be taking away the large majority of the IMAX theaters, despite the fact the mission was filmed largely in IMAX. So... That was we'll that see. was somebody at Paramount dropping the ball big time. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that battle shapes out over the next month. Whether or right. not Tom gets any of those back, or I mean, Tom's Tom can flex too, man. He's he's got some. Yeah, but I feel like Warner Brothers was like, "Are you serious? They have it, but look them all. I don't care if it's at a loss." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're going to show Paramount and Tom Cruise who's really the boss here. That's right. <laughs> it's very strange, very strange. But regardless, I will see it wherever it is. But speaking of... Hell yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, since we last chatted also, Christopher McQuarrie posted on his Instagram that the movie has been officially delivered to the studio. <laughs> so, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> I, told, I said it before in a previous podcast, until I'm watching it on the screen... It ain't done yet. That's right. That's right. Well, I mean, it hasn't been rated yet. All the trailers that I've seen say this this film is not yet rated, so I can only mm-hmm. assume it's going to be PG or PG-13. I'd be shocked. Absolutely shocked if it was a rated R movie. There's no way. It's PG. It's got to be PG-13. I, I yeah. can almost guarantee it. Yeah. Uh, total runtime was reported back in May, uh, May the 25th, it's saying that it was two hours and 36 minutes, down from what was rumored to be close to three hours when they did the initial test screening. So, well, that puts it down right around the same time as Fallout, then I believe so, yeah. And th- at least yeah. it's you know manageable, 
not quite in the no time to die category of how in the hell am I going to hold hold my pee for <laughs> three it, hours? Exactly. <laughs> All I can say is is if it was going to be a three minute cut. And they got rid of 24 minutes and all of it was Haley Atwell stuff. I riot. <laughs> I will walk indeed, out. Indeed, indeed. But hopefully that's not the case. I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> Haley Atwell in the trailers, so. I'm, I mean, um, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing I'm not going to be disappointed. I'm just saying. That's right. That's right. We also got the official poster for the film, which honestly kind of. It was just like one of those, you know, angled, diagonal. Uh, everything is on a slant type thing. Mm-hmm. You've seen a million versions of the same poster. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very glad that I got the teaser poster because it's way better. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a little more artistic, a little less uh, yeah. more outside the box. You know, every poster looks like an Avengers poster now. It really does. It's uh, very disappointing. I mean, there was that indie poster, the Indiana Jones poster that I thought was really good because they went the, the original know, one that came out. Yeah. But that one's also on a triangle. So many triangles. <laughs> it's an artistic thing. It's it's about drawing your focus on yes. what is the main thing. And ciliary, you build it in layers without layering back. So everything is right there in front of you, but right. it's prioritized by the importance of it, given how the size is within yeah. the shape. Um, I learned that in painting class, and um, it was bullshit then. Still bullshit now. Most of art school is most of art school is bullshit. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, oh, very Um, much so. Very much. Yeah. So, so, but you know, you can't get some good ones that come out of that kind of format. But at the end of the day, I think the teaser trailers are more important than the actual movie posters are, or the teaser posters are more important because you already know it's there by that point in time. So now you're just saying, "Yep, this is the one with Tom Cruise. You want to go to this theater? Right. It's basically a side saying." Walk in here, sir. Or <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Or your exactly. gender pronoun of choice. That's right. Um, but but the teaser is what's going to get you involved. Right. That is true. That is true. So if you have a good teaser poster, and in this case, yeah. I thought I thought Dead Reckoning's teaser was good enough to buy it. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So. so so we got a number of different trailers, uh, starting with the uh, first full-length trailer, which honestly is an awful lot like the first trailer that we got just with just a hair more dialogue and even the even the lines that we do get don't reveal too terribly much but i did write some of it down here um it starts of course with kittredge where he says our lives are the sum of our choices we cannot escape the past ethan this mission of yours is going to cost you dearly which isn't it always <laughs> i mean Henry Zerny is sort of like Alec Baldwin. Very much so. I'd rather listen to him than look look at him, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, unlike Alec Baldwin, I feel like Henry Zerny maybe doesn't have quite the level of range. Or gravitas. No, so he just plays menacing really well, but he doesn't really play anything else really well. He's Everything has inherent men- menace in it. I don't even know if Henry Zerny has all that much menace. I think he just kind of, it comes out of him this, this corporate-y, governmental, you know, stooge. Yeah, exactly. He's like a zealotous bureaucrat. Exactly. That's a perfect description right there. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So th- And then we hear, uh, and I didn't realize this until the 30-second trailer came out, most recently during the NBA Finals, but the next line is from White Widow, 
i.e. Vanessa Kirby, uh, saying the world is changing, truth is vanishing, and war is coming. Whatever that's supposed to mean. We see some We see some subs shooting other subs. Who knows? Um, and then we get... See, this, is, this is what... Sorry. This, this is one <laughs> no. of those... This is one of those things where it's like, we need her to say something that sounds profound, but is actually kind of horseshit. You can take <laughs> all of the ver- all of the nouns in here and swap them around in each one of those short statements, and it still sounds equally menacing. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. Truth is changing. War is vanishing, and the world is coming. <laughs> Ooh. You're really good. <laughs> the, wa- wa- the war is changing. The, the, the world is vanishing, and truth is coming. That's right. I mean, it's... All of those things like, work, and they all mean nothing. <laughs> nothing. Christopher Corey's like, what can I have her say that we can throw in a trailer and make people think, hmm, yeah, it is. Well, I mean, this is this is the art of the trailer editor, too. Because Oh, yeah. All... All trailers do this. They all just like, what lines can we use? We Okay, we need to represent this. Okay, we need some White Widow. We need some of this. Because you know that there is a list that's given to an editor. It's like, okay, so we need three seconds of screen time from the White Widow. We need right. five seconds of Ethan Hunt saying something like this. We need two right. seconds of Luther. We need, you know, and just a dash of Simon Pegg. <laughs> you know, right. it's like, so then we get uh, the villain, uh, Gabriel or Gabriel, however it's pronounced, portrayed by Isai Morales. Uh, it says, it's been a long time, friend. You have no idea the power I represent. It knows your story and how it ends. So, and the one thing that I, I will say it does, it still goes to those screens that are on the wall in whatever fancy nightclub they're in. So I don't know if that means anything at all or if it's just uh, misdirection. So who knows whether it has anything to do with AI or... or Anyway, so then another kind of throwaway line from Kittredge. Listen to me. The world is coming after you. We see that shot of facial recognition, which Jason loves so much, um, where <laughs> someone is searching for <laughs> Ethan Hunt <laughs> over every single closed circuit <laughs> camera in existence. <laughs> yep. Yep. Just like you do. <laughs> like you do. Um, and then... And then we get another line from Gabriel where he says, his fate is written. Shall we write yours too? Looking at Haley Atwell's character, Grace. Can I just so. say that when I first read the notes, I thought you said Haley Atwell's ass. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't remember that from the trailer. <laughs> I think we would have remembered something like that. You especially. I think it, I, I think it might have just, I think it might just be me. Wishful thinking. Freudian slipping, maybe. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So then Ethan uh, very angrily says, if anything happens to them, there's no place that I won't go to kill you. That is written. And then we see some fighting shots on a train. And then uh, we hear Luther where he says, what's your objective? What's your ultimate objective? Why aren't you coming to Arby's? We got the meats. (laughs) We got the meats. I mean, come on, man. Uh, (laughs) And then... Ethan says, your life will always matter more to me than my own, speaking to his team, of course. And then Luther retorts with, none of our lives can matter more than this mission. So, of course, duh, every single mission is this. (laughs) And (laughs) And every single mission, you could say it all you want. Ethan's like, nah, nah. 
Yeah, nah, I don't accept that. Nah. So some shots of note. There's Ethan is punching somebody repeatedly, very hard. <laughs> some of the hardest punches I've ever seen Ethan deliver to anyone. <laughs> so that's interesting. We get a lot more footage of the train crash. I do love the zero gravity moment when they're when he's inside the train with Grace and like everything goes up and then they crash down inside the train. And you know that they probably set that up so that it's really zero gravity and not just a CG moment because this is Tom Cruise we're talking about. This is Cruise and McQuarrie we're talking about. So you know whether, I mean, they probably weren't in a uh, train car that was dangling anywhere, uh, especially not off a cliff. They could have built it into a vomit comet like they did with the sets for Apollo 13. That's that's what you I know. assume is what they did, is they, they built some sort of vomit comet and they are really getting shooken I mean, around. I think, I think at least an eighth of NASA's budget is renting that plane out to Hollywood. So <laughs> right, and then if, any, to, if they yeah if they CG'd anything and it was probably just the plates and shit that like fall to the fall and smash to the ground once it lands. If you got a vomit comet, just throw the plates in there. That's true. Well, I mean, yeah, if you get some like sugar plates that you know break at the at the slight <laughs> at the lightest touch, you know. Or you so, know, you bought your plates over at the dollar store. I mean, that's that, that too. That too. plus, if you bought them at the dollar store, you're helping out with the movie's overall budget. So that's that indeed, indeed, and so, so good mission, job, set designer. That's right. So we get a shot, of course, of Tom hanging from one end of the train. You see the bottom of the the valley, or or not valley, the gorge, or whatever the train is sort of teetering on there's a shot of someone who looks to be gabriel shooting some woman initially i thought it was indira varma but she looks younger than indira varma so i don't know who it was that that gabriel shooting or whether it's actually gabriel at all because it looks like gabriel but i can't i like freeze framed it and i'm like i don't know who that is so anyway <laughs> um and then we get this very Mission Impossible one shot that is Dutch angle, Ethan sitting at a desk, and there's a gun, a package that looks very reminiscent of the uh, mission that, that Ethan gets in Fallout, the, the package that, that the mission comes in in Fallout, and then that fancy key that we've seen in the previous trailers. So again, more... Uh, alluding back to all the way back to Mission Impossible 1. I mean, the fact that just the fact that they're bringing back Kittredge, they're bringing back the guy that got, you know, had to get his clothes sent to him and in, in wherever that was. I, for, I forget that guy's <laughs> name right now. <laughs> just just send him his clothes. <laughs> so, so anyway, just a lot of a lot of alluding back to Mission 1. Um, you know, we don't see, though. What's that? We, we don't <laughs> We don't see Emilio Estevez magically reappearing, and that makes me sad. That does. That makes me sad too. We haven't seen. Where is Emilio Estevez? I think he's just producing he, these days. Yeah, he produces directs now. He doesn't really get in front of the camera. Wouldn't it be yeah. funny if at the very end of Dead Reckoning Part One, he ends up becoming <laughs> the main bad guy? Oh my god! And he's got some horrible face disfigurement from the from the accident in the elevator shaft (laughs) exactly and and he's adopted a name you know with three names in it so it's 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 like you know tom bob blofeldstein or something like that we just go down the the whole specter road he's part of hydra so he's got a little ring with a bunch of different tentacles on it (laughs) be amazing i mean mean, yeah that's what i'm saying if he ended up being the main bad guy in this I, i that would just i would it would settle my mind that 
Mission Impossible series is the greatest spy <laughs> series ever. That'd be incredible. <laughs> so that we 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 get some more shots of uh, Palm Clementi looking almost Harley Quinn esque. She's in this tight alleyway with Ethan, and she's got this stick that she's kind of threatening him with. <laughs> um, we get some rather lovey-dovey shots of Ethan and Ilsa together on a veranda, as well as in like they're on like some sort of little uh, what are those boats that you get in like Italy? Gondola. The gondolas, yeah, like. There's there's a shot at night where they're in like a gondola looking boat together, kind of holding hands. I'm like, oh, this is never good because anytime Ethan gets involved with somebody, they die. Just saying. Anyway, so and then we get the very Skyfall esque fight on top of the train where the uh, we see like a a wide shot of the bridge, you know, explodes, and then we see Ethan have to drop down to barely get through the tunnel, which is kind of. I mean, how many times have we seen that? I mean, I'm just yeah. Well, if if you're on top of a trade and there isn't a bridge that you have to drop down on, right? You're not really on a train. That's right. That's right. What are what are we even doing here? If Hollywood has taught us anything since the silent movies, (laughs) is that running on top of a train is very dangerous. That's right. And if and the other thing that we've learned from Hollywood about trains is you're not really. In a train, unless that train goes through a tunnel somewhere. There's always somewhere. a tunnel. There's always a tunnel. Always. No matter what. You could be in I mean, Kansas or Nebraska, and they will. it will run through a tunnel. There's a tunnel. That's right. <laughs> Why is this tunnel here? I, I don't know. It's a train. It is. Are you kidding? <laughs> it's a it, train. Do you, not, do you not see the train tracks? <laughs> I don't understand the question. <laughs> exactly. So, and then one final thing uh, that I added late to the Intel report that Jason doesn't even know about. There was a a recent article that just came out in the latest Empire magazine about Dead Reckoning that gets quotes from uh, a bunch of cast members as well as McHugh. Um, And near the very end of the article, I found it very interesting saying that he has, in fact, been impacted by the writer's strike, which tells me that that means that that's going to put pressure on Dead Reckoning Part 2 as far as getting it done and meeting that deadline, which they waited for a very long time and pushed it off many, 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 many times. Even post-pandemic, they pushed back the date because they wanted Mm -hmm. to make sure that they got Dead Reckoning Part 2 in the can. And according to the article, they're only about 40% done with shooting. So this will be interesting to see... To see so if they Tom, if they hit it. I mean, it could be one of those they, like rogue nation situations where they just lop three months of post off again and just you know. <laughs> I feel like it's, if this is Tom Swan's song, I don't feel like he's going to be okay with giving it any less than it needs to be. But maybe he needs to be less concerned about getting his shit on IMAX and more concerned with getting the screenwriters <laughs> writing again because he's Tom Cruise. He, and he could make that happen. Maybe he couldn't make it happen, but he could certainly push that that vehicle a little further down the road like towards if you think a guy with his kind of clout you think about it like with this if, if he came in if he got harrison ford granted maybe harrison ford 25 years ago he's still harrison ford but <laughs> you know but i mean if you got if, if you got the people that have the power in hollywood from an acting perspective really leaning and maybe he is you mean it's not be tom talking hanks about it. maybe he is tom hanks yeah. And I mean, but Hanks has gone on record, right? He's out there. I'm out here with my friends, the writers. I would have nothing to say without him, right? You know, it's crazy. But I, I haven't seen Cruz come out and go, hey, dumbasses, get right. what they want. 
Right. Um, and considering how he was kind of at the uh, the focal point of that with uh, Top Gun, mm-hmm. when they didn't want to release it in the theaters or they wanted to do the split release. And he was like, no, yeah. my money comes from when it's here. He should completely be on the side of the writers who were basically only asking for a fair share of their work in the new environment that their work is presented in. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it, I will say that I think his hand is going to be forced uh, to a degree because it sounds like McQuarrie being really a writer ultimately more than anything else. I mean, he is a director, mm-hmm. but I, when I think of Christopher McQuarrie, I think writer. He is a Absolutely. writer to the core. He's going to be in solidarity with those guys. And so Absolutely. if he's in solidarity, I got to think that Cruz is going to get on board and eventually do what he needs to do to help settle this. Yeah, see, I think what you need to do is you need to get all the Hollywood execs in a room at a big table like you see in the movies, right? And you got the execs <laughs> on this side of the table and the execs on this side of the table. And at the head of the table on one side is Tom Cruise. And at the head of the other table on the other side is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then you basically <laughs> get the two of them tag teaming against all the executives with Tom being Tom and Arnold being Arnold. And this thing's resolved in like two hours. Probably less. I mean, Tom would wear them down in a half an hour. <laughs> and, and then Arnold and would then walk you... in with, he'd walk in with his Conan, the barbarian sword, flip it around a couple times, all put right. it on the table. And be like, no one leaves until we've got a decision here. <laughs> This worked when I was the governor. It's going to work now. <laughs> Isn't that right, Mr. Tom Cruise? If all of you can't come to a decision with me and Tom, you're terminated. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway. It'll be, interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see how much longer this goes on because yeah. it's at the point where it's starting to affect Disney mm-hmm. and the Marvel stuff and the Star Wars stuff. And that's that's not even movies. They could give two shits that's about t- that kind of stuff. It's mm-hmm. TV, all that. So when Disney starts to get upset with it, Tom Cruise starts to get upset with it. At some point We're, in time, Amazon's going to get upset with it too. The big players will have to come in. Yeah, critical mass is going to happen real soon. Nobody wants nobody wants a replay of the garbage that came out after the last writer's strike in the early oh, 2000s. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. It's like it took them all six months just to remember how to do their job. <laughs> stuff that was coming out was just like we need to get stuff now okay so here we go i have a good story all right so there's a character named dick and there's a character named jane they see a dog the dog runs they run after the dog they catch the dog they play with the dog they go back home and they go to bed the end that's a half an hour we can do that we can do that we can do that. <laughs> what do we call this new movie well i don't know there's not any writers in here what are we going to call this movie what do you think daniel craig quantum of solace okay sure <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> and speaking exactly. of bond you like my little oh dear what I did there Ooh, speaking look, look of how bond, you just sort of <laughs> into some bond intel um first off just some light bond i mean really all of this is very light Bond intel, because nothing is happening right now with Bond. But happy birthday to uh, Pierce Brosnan. He turned 70 last month. 70, and he still looks dashing as ever. Dashing enough, in fact, to star in a new movie called The Outlaws with uh, Ellen Barkin, where uh, he and Ellen Barkin are playing two parents to Nina Dobrev, who um, are about to become in-laws to Adam Devine, of all people. So that's right. We're going to have a Pierce Brosnan movie, including Adam Devine. <laughs> Although I suppose Stranger Things have happened. Mamma mia. Um, 
But uh, Ben Ben Stiller and uh, Robert De Niro, come on. Yeah, yeah. So so Adam Devine plays a bank manager, and the the twist is that Ellen Barkin and Pierce Brosnan are infamous outlaws known as the Ghost Bandits, who actually held up his bank, and then you know shenanigans ensue. It's it's kind of like Meet the Fockers, really. I mean, or, a, a, a little bit. It's it, yeah. Yeah, this is exactly the this is exactly the kind of movie you would expect to get after a writer's strike, not before one. But uh, yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, Also, in uh, light Bond Intel, uh, June sixth marked the 40th anniversary of Octopussy. Yes, fill her up, please. Um, (laughs) Yes, yes. Although we're using the wrong. Actually, it's more a woman. So, anyway, we may have to take a look at this uh, film sometime soon. Can't imagine whether we might have that on the docket sometime soon. Hmm. Hmm. Possibly. We can neither confirm nor deny. Especially without the uh, permission of the secretary. (laughs) Fucking fucking secretaries, man. Fucking secretaries. Also in Intel, we got some Netflix stuff happening. Netflix's weird YouTube video show called Tudum. They've got another one of those coming out on June 17th. And I'm very much willing to bet that that is when we're finally going to get the real trailer, not with that weird behind the scenes combo with half finished shots of the movie that aren't really finished. Uh, We're going to get an actual trailer for Gal Gadot's Heart of Stone. I even saw on Gal Gadot's Instagram, she took a picture of a billboard that they actually put up promoting Heart of Stone. So I'm guessing that that media train is just about ready to uh, get going and go through some sort of tunnel. Um, <laughs> so On a train. On a train. Uh, so I'm, I'm guessing we'll get quite a bit more intel about that very, very soon. Maybe we'll do a breakdown of that trailer whenever it finally arrives. There was a short article in Empire about it, and, there, and they released this photo did you see this photo it is it is silly if you don't read the article it literally makes no sense it's there's a big ball of fire behind her and it kind and she's wearing some sort of gas mask apparatus and she's almost like skipping running type motion <laughs> anyway I read the article and I found out that the weird run jump thing that she's doing she is skipping across a blimp. A blimp, Jason. I mean, does it say Zorin on it? I mean, it's a great form of transportation. Wow, <laughs> wow! You no. never know. <laughs> she's <laughs> if she's gonna run on top of the blimp. She's gonna need more power, more, <laughs> more power. So, so I'm not sure how I feel about that running on top of a blimp. I mean, <laughs> I mean, well, I've seen, you know, Netflix has been having some issues with their spy jinx, if I may be so bold. They, they seem to be, I'm, I feel like they're a little off the mark. In fact, I might even go so far to say that a lot of the streamers in general are kind of off the mark, you know, not to, not to pick on Citadel, but <laughs> I think I think I gotta be honest with you I think and I know some of these have some pretty huge budgets so don't get yeah. me wrong but I feel like at least in Netflix's circumstance mm-hmm. they're trying to capture the essence of an 80s 90s action movie 
but with modern sensibilities, filming techniques, special effects, and that. But none of them really seem to have any kind of give a shit for making a solid movie. They just want to make a popcorn movie. And I feel like they all lack some kind of ingenuity, you know, like a... a like a like a sense of well, how can we do this in a way from a filmmaking sort of way? I don't. I'm not talking even about story. You know, I'm sure that like a lot of these streaming things had a good story to begin with, but then like when they, when it came to filming it, they didn't think like how can we do this practically? How can we how can we do this in a way that that isn't just a barrage of bad CGI like in your face all over the place? You know. And so I feel like that's why a lot of these sort of fall flat. I mean, I, sh- I suppose I shouldn't discount Heart of Stone. I haven't seen anything no. other than that thing that was on the first Tudum featuring it. So who knows? Maybe the trailer will be a lot more convincing. It was just that one still. I'm just like, oh, man, really? She's skipping across the top of a blimp? It's just... Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I, you know, also, I think you get... <laughs> And this may be the only time I ever will voice any support for the studio system as it currently exists. But because Netflix gives such carte blanche to the people that are creating their movies. Yeah. Maybe the problem is, is that there's nobody at Netflix going, that's a dumb idea. Yeah. Well, what's really There's not funny- enough notes being passed around. And we all know that notes from Hollywood get a bad rap. But you know, there's some that are good. There are Because there are some people- yeah, right. there are there so are some maybe, people, Russo brothers, hello. <laughs> right, maybe in a production environment where the creators have full capacity to make whatever they want, they aren't getting enough reality thrown into them Yeah, to help them dial it back to something that's maybe a little bit better as a movie. They're getting to tell their entire story, but because there's no hurdles to overcome, mm-hmm. they just basically could vomit it out and it's what they want. Yeah. As opposed to movies with challenges. You know this. Any movie that has a significant challenge it has to overcome tends to be a better movie because of the creative thinking involved and getting Absolutely. over that challenge. Yeah. I mean, I was just reading that that article that I referenced earlier about Dead Reckoning. Macquarie talks about some of the challenges that they've had aside from the writer's strike in Dead Reckoning. There's a, a thing about how they were supposed to shoot in a... Under construction airport, um, I forget where. I want to say it's Berlin, but I can't remember for sure. Anyway, what happened was is that the people that are putting it together, it was like they couldn't lend it to them anymore. Uh, apparently, it got too close to the deadline that it was supposed to go live for the public. And so Macquarie and Cruz had to back up and punt, and they found an airport in Abu Dhabi instead to do and that's how that whole that all that desert stuff that you see in the in the trailer that's all a product of the fact that they couldn't shoot in that in that airport and and i mean it's like and how interesting is that stuff though i mean you know what i mean it's like that's that footage is really cool and so right you know sometimes you know and like you said i mean it's like something gets thrown your way you get creative you find something else that that maybe works even better than what you had originally planned, you know? And and there's not enough of that happening for some of these streamers where, and also too, I feel like a lot of the problem solutions in the streaming movie production world is fix it with CG. Instead of, instead of thinking like, out the outside the box, thinking of some other way to do something that doesn't involve sitting down with 
you know, <laughs> some sort of post program, that's not always the answer. In fact, a lot of the times it isn't the answer. Well, that's the thing. In the in the post CGI world, movies can do virtually anything now. Yeah. You know, I, I think about the ghosted movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> were, they, were, were they, I mean, they had shots of Washington, D.C. that were clearly CGI'd into wherever they were filming Washington, D.C. Right. And you know what I don't need? I don't need you to put the Washington Monument in a place where it doesn't exist. It's it's the it's the fucking Eiffel Tower, Ben. <laughs> it's the Eiffel Tower in the, in the window of every hotel room Rebuilding. in right. Paris. I don't. Yeah. If you tell me I'm in Washington D.C. or Paris, I'm going to believe I'm in Washington D.C. unless unless you're telling me I'm in Paris and all the signs are in German. Right. right. Then then you have a problem. But right. But you could do set dressing to make it look like Paris. Without exactly. any CJ, because you know what? They fucking did that shit for decades. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you think about all the times that they've shot in like Prague or or someplace other than Berlin and just called it Berlin, you know, right. and just changed the signage or whatever. It's it's oldish looking, you know, it kind of sort of matches Germany, whatever. Right. Georgia, you know. Atlanta has been doubling for New York in just about every uh, Marvel movie for the last 10 years. There you go. Exactly. Speaking of <laughs> problems with streamer movies and television, we did get a chance to watch the first few episodes of Arnold Schwarzenegger's FUBAR. Um, I'm sad to say that I don't think we're going to cover it much more than the, the next five to ten minutes right now, because uh, it's <laughs> it's not quite what either of us, I think, expected. I don't no, know. No, no, I think... I think going into it with the trailers, it was a an aging CIA operative gets pulled back into the fold for one last mission. That's what I got out of it. That's what I got out of it as well. You're bringing in Harry Tasker, right? Yeah, exactly. For the one it's, last mission. I, I was expecting, yeah, I was expecting the spiritual sequel to True Lies. You know, only it's uh, Harry Tasker. Now, now he's like about ready to retire. And right shenanigans and ensue really, but it's not it's no it's really kind of turned into a a father versus daughter one-upmanship game that I, I don't even enjoy that comedy as a, exactly <laughs> i don't even enjoy that stuff when you don't have a spy element in it yeah and like I, when I, I saw that that scene there's a scene where they're in a a psychologist's office and they have to use puppets of each other to talk and I'm just like, ah, no, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> no, no, no. And I, I, I think the action sequences are great. I think yeah. the basic premise is fine is what I thought it was. They just introduced a bunch of dysfunctional family elements that I don't really want in my spy movie. I mean, I don't need to watch spy kids, but they're all grown up. Well, and what's really weird about it, too, is that these family elements of this show are kind of at odds with the action elements of this show. And some of the yes. cursing and some of the like very adult-oriented humor that occasionally hits. It's It's this weird... It's almost as if... There were two studio execs fighting with each other. One person wanted some sort of family-friendly thing, and the other guy right. wanted to do what we wanted, basically. Right. And neither one of them really got their way. It was basically too many hands in the soup, and now you have FUBAR, and it's just kind of this mishmash that's you know, occasionally what we asked for and occasionally definitely not what we asked for. I think that you could sum it up by saying that the title of the movie or the TV show, is very fitting for what you get for <laughs> yeah. the TV show. 
I, I would. But I would at the end of the day, regretfully, I having, would concur. Having not even watched one episode of the True Lies reboot, I guarantee this is still better. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, at least, at least Arnold's there being Arnold. I mean, right. And I will say that the woman I can't remember her name right now who plays the daughter, she's actually really good in it. So I agree. It's just like a matter. It's just of, a movie about if it was a TV show about Arnold or a TV show about her. Right. This would be a whole different ballgame. Right. And if it was presented to me as a comedy about a father and a daughter, instead of this spy action comedy thing, it might have actually worked. But it's just, it's all over the place. It is. And, you know, that's fine. Uh, I'm, I'm glad Arnold's getting the work. I know he's hurting for money. Uh, <laughs> sure. You know, <laughs> yeah. He's so hard know, up for I, cash these days. <laughs> he can't afford to buy another tank. That's right. Um, that's right. You know, so another donkey. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like um, there's that great quote from Michael Caine where he was basically oh, talking. He, like, he was talking shit about Superman. No, no, he was talking about Jaws. Or that's what it was, Jaws. Jaws for the revenge. That's right. I've never seen it, but it did buy me a very nice house, a very nice <laughs> villa on the French Riviera. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, moving on. We did get a new trailer for a new spy. Well, they're they're pitching it as a spy thriller TV series. I watched it and thought it was much more like army commando type stuff than it was a spy thriller. But, you know, you say tomato, I say tomato. Um, but it's on Paramount Plus. It's called Special Ops Lioness. Um, and it does feature a few big names, including uh, Zoe Saldana, Nicole Kidman, and Morgan Freeman. Um, I don't know how much we actually get of Morgan Freeman in it. I think they just put him on because he's Morgan Freeman. And it's, it's sure, gonna, why not? It's, it's going to draw people. But, he's just narrating uh, it. Yeah, he's just, well, and our protagonist, Joe, went back to blah, blah, blah. And that's when the lioness went and got her big 45 caliber pistol and shot him in the head. That's right. She then had to run through 1,500 yards of shit. <laughs> Andy Dufresne. Anyway, um, so the blurb from Variety is, the series, which is inspired by an actual U.S. military program, will debut on the streamer on July 23rd. According to the official synopsis, the show, quote, follows the life of Joe, played by Zoe Saldana, while she attempts to balance her personal and professional life as the tip of the CIA's spear in the War on Terror. The Lioness program overseen by Caitlin Mead, who is played by Nicole Kidman, and Donald Westfield, who is played by Michael Kelly from uh, Jack Ryan. Oh, yeah, he's the one that plays uh, Mike or Mike Tango or whatever. Yeah, the guy that's in Mykonos. So enlists an aggressive marine raider named Cruz, played by Laisla de Oliveira, to operate undercover alongside Joe among the power brokers of state terrorism in the CIA's efforts to thwart the next 9-11. So, and what it actually turns out, I'm guessing, is that the Cruz character is actually Zoe Saldana's daughter, and, <laughs> um, and another one bites the dust. I definitely will watch this. Yeah, I mean, I, I would watch that for sure. I mean, it looked like it was well done. I also put a little bit more stock in Paramount+. Plus. I feel like I feel like Paramount's kind of got a, a a thing going right now, and they, they seem to be on on a good path right now. So I'd give them the benefit of the doubt and watch this. Yeah, see how it goes. I mean, and it's Zoe Saldana, so and she's great. We'll find out, won't we? We certainly will. So 
come July 23rd, we'll we'll get a chance to take a look at that. Also, one quick final little thing. There have been a handful of trailers released for Marvel's Nick Fury show, Secret Invasion. Me and Jason are Hell pumped. Hell yeah! Me and Jason are pumped to see this. We, we both, I don't know, the trailers look good. Um, also, if you search a little bit, you can actually find video of the first five minutes of episode one, which looked pretty good. Not going to ruin it. No, you're going to you're gonna nope. stay put nope. until yeah. till that one comes out. It's, it's What is it? It's a week and a half for now? Two weeks? It's, yeah, it's, it's really close. I mean, practically by the time our episode comes out, it'll be out. So, But yeah, it looks very cool in that Marvel sort of way. And you can definitely bet that we will be talking about that one that one for sure will be something we're gonna cover yeah because if ben decides he wants to bump it i'm gonna punch him in the face we're gonna do it anyway (laughs) that's right (laughs) indeed indeed (laughs) hey one last thing though um yeah jack ryan's coming back that's right i totally forgot and that's that's coming pretty soon right i believe it starts right at uh june 30th there you go so uh you know we can we can have our indie and and jack ryan too and then after that, a little Zoe Saldana to wash it down because it basically sounds like her show is a female version of Jack Ryan. So yeah, very much so. <laughs> good on you. Good on yeah. you. Lots of lots of stuff coming down the pike. Thank goodness. I'm definitely done with this drought that we've had the last couple months here. But uh, I believe that's all the intel we have at the uh, at the moment. So uh, I don't know. I think we'll just keep this uh, short and sweet. What do you say? Unusual for us, but a treat for the (laughs) listeners. Indeed, indeed. Well, with that, I'm Ben. And I'm Jason. And the CIC will return with more missions, more martinis, and more mayhem.